Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back into the doghouse. It's your meeting place to talk Mississippi State sports as we begin a new week here with a Monday morning overreaction on the Believe Podcast Network. Yep, let's do this again. Monday morning overreact about Bulldog athletics and in particular this week, Bulldog baseball. Now, Bulldog basketball, of course, played over the weekend, had a victory. Lady Bulldogs finished their regular season last night with a frustrating defeat. Just the tired legs and hands and everything just showed for that gallant bunch that has struggled as best they can through the season, but they just ran out of juice against, admittedly, an Arkansas team that had played something like four games in 10 days themselves. Still, the fact that uh, Doug Novak's team has made it this far and still can be mentioned, at least peripherally in the postseason, is a credit to the job he's done. It does not certainly guarantee that he will be promoted to the job. There'll be more on that. Robbie Falk has already started our hot board on jeanspage.com. So we'll be keeping up with that. We should know state's tournament seating this morning as well. I'll let you look that up. I'm pretty busy with Bulldog baseball at the moment. Yep, that loss to Western, I'm sorry, Northern Kentucky. I think last week I said Eastern Kentucky. Too many dadgum teams up there in the bluegrass with uh, compass names. But the Norse came down. They built a lead on benefit of Mississippi State mistakes. State couldn't quite come all the way back. Lost by one run. A rally fell short. Took it to them on Saturday and Sunday, first rubber game of the season. And that's something that last year's team was quite marvelous at, rubber games. They won this one in impressive style. Maybe not as impressive as Saturday's blowout, but when you build a nice 7-0 lead, give up a couple of runs late as you're working some new bullpen arms in there, you'll take that at this point because Coach Scott Foxhole, he's got to get some guys out there. I mean, he, he really has to make some decisions because look at this week coming up now, grambling in the first road trip of the season to Tulane. We're not that far away again from SEC season. So, you know, these preseasons for college baseball seem to last so long, these weekends, whether it's three-game series or round robins or special events, they fly by for the coaches. And Chris Lamonis feels the pressure of it flying by. I I will use just one quote from his postgame last night when he said, we are still just trying to figure ourselves out. Now, That doesn't mean that there are no answers. There are plenty of answers on this lineup, in this rotation, in available to put in the field, pinch hit, run, all sorts of things. But they're trying to figure out who needs to be playing when, how much, and how often, what order. There's so many things to be figured out as this goes. Yeah, they by far would rather have won their first two series, probably expected to sweep these first two series. And by the way, Long Beach State lost a couple of games, I believe, to Sacramento State over the weekend, so they weren't looking so shiny themselves. Dogs dominated Grambling, but I'm sorry, uh, Arkansas Pine Bluff in a weather-shortened game, but what do you expect in that matchup? There's just so many things to still figure out, and we're going to start with the offense because that's the one that's seen the most fluctuation. I haven't actually looked at the chart to see how many different lineups it put out there, but it's darn close to 7-for-7 at this point. Um, Certainly never any consecutive ones after maybe the first weekend. So Limonis and Jake Gotro and Scott Foxhall are really doing what they can to figure a lot of things out here because, again, SEC season is not that far away, and you want to start building confidence in the guys, confidence in the plate, confidence in the field. Let me tell you this. It showed some confidence to my mind. When we talked last night about you just tend not to take a sure glove like Lane Forsythe out of the lineup because he's a security blanket for pitching. Well, darned if they didn't do it on Sunday. They put Tanner Leggett, a fine middle infielder, in all his own right, and a guy who's been hitting the ball pretty well, too. 
and put him at shortstop and came back with a true freshman Aaron Downs in right field. Now, you know right field has been pretty much a black hole offensively with few flashes from Drew McGowan. Bless Kellum Clark's heart. You know the guy can do it with the bat. He's just struggling to get the pitches he can hit. He's It just happens. We've seen guys have slumps. This is a bad one, and they're not denying that. But we know Kellum Clark has the ability. But you don't have time to sit there and just let him work his way out of it for entire games when you've got to win these games as well. And early in both games, State either gave up a run or it was tight in the second and third inning, and you're wondering, you know, is the offense going to come through? Well, boy, did it come through. Brad Cumbest, he hit one ball that may have landed by now. He hit a line shot screamer today that we weren't sure we're going to clear to the left field fence. It did, and it probably left a heck of a dent in some piece of aluminum out there as well. When Mule gets a hold of a ball, he can send it a very long way. But, you know, home runs as well. I mentioned Hunter Hines coming up on Friday hitting a shot. Then you have Logan Tanner, who had an off-the-end-of-the-bat shot last night, and other guys who came in tonight with big swings. And they weren't trying to swing big. I I can't stress that enough. They were just trying to hit the fastballs that they were ignoring. And I still think it had something to do with the way they were pitched the first couple of games when they saw so much breaking stuff, that they're looking for that to be fooled. Instead, they were getting fooled by a few fastballs. As Lamona said, they were being pitched backwards the first game or two. Well, they turned it around in the right direction the next two games. So I I really want to point out, too, what the two, three, four holes in the order did after Mississippi State put Cameron James back in the two slot. Yes, I think he'd be a capable leadoff hitter, but that's a compromise. It's not really what you want to do. You want to have an RB guy guy like him coming up with people on base, and we will talk about that in a moment because that's kind of an issue with the, as this team still takes shape. But between he and then you come back and put uh, Luke Hancock and Logan Tanner in those three in consecutively, I, let me see if I can find the numbers I have, what they did. Yeah, I scribbled it down. For the th- two games, the two wins, I stress, they were combined 43 at-bats, 18 runs, 19 hits, 12 RBI. The number that jumps out to me is the 12 RBI. It should have been more. That reflects what I was going to get to, the fact that eight, nine, and one batters are not getting on base for them to drive them in. To me, that is the first and fast thing that needs to be fixed about this batting order. Find guys who can do what so many were able to scratch out a hit in the nine hole and extend an inning last year to set up Rowdy Jordan Tanner Ellen. Or find a guy who can be a sure leadoff thing. And I still have great faith in R.J. Yeager. He's struggling here some in the early season, but the guy hit the ball really well at a lower level, admitty, but he hit the ball well. And they put him back in leadoff today. Okay, he was 0 for 5, but he had some good contacts and a couple strikeouts. We have to be fair. My bigger point, though, was you know, when you take Forsyth out and you put Leggett in, I don't think they would have done that against a top 25 team, but they had the chance to do it against a Northern Kentucky team you knew was going to start running out of pitching by day two and certainly by day three, which they did. But it wasn't like they were just feeding fastballs across the plate saying, this is batting practice, slug it. They had some little snap, and they mixed in some stuff. So the Bulldogs got the read on it and made them pay. Luke Hancock. Now, here's something different. We mentioned the other night, I think, I hope I slipped it in there, that uh, Chris Lamonis, who's not known as a fan of the bunting game, did try a bunt during the game. Didn't work, but at least you know it's in the repertoire there. Maybe he just showed it today in February so that come June, somebody's thinking, I wonder if that clever sucker will sacrifice in this position when we darn well know that's not his preference. But here's something interesting, and I'm sure this went against the Ron Polk school in a lot of ways. Luke Hancock came up late in the game on a three-ball count, and he got the green light. Oh, did he crush that ball. 
So the, the Norse pitcher just assumed it was going to be a nice down-the-shoot strike to get a 3-1 and one count. Nope, ball left. So seeing the power from guys like Cumbust and Hancock, and you know, it, it would be so encouraging for Cumbust to find that consistently. Not home runs, but I want to see the gap power. I want to see him hitting into the corners, driving the ball, because he's certainly got the physical skills. He runs the bases fairly well. He's a quality defender. He can label that left field job all his own. Center field, Matt Corder is going to have some growing pains. He, he began his career by slugging a ball out a weekend ago, and it hasn't been so easy for him since. <laughs> That's baseball. But you know the guy has the ability. He's proven it, and you want him in that middle order position. Possibly you could slide him up there to lead off, but I just right now would prefer to go with Jaeger. And interesting, too, I mentioned Kellen Clark. Uh, they started down for him today, and that worked out well. Two base hits, uh, both middle infield bouncers that got through the box. You'll take those in a heartbeat. And so they came back, and Leggett was able to make some good context. Didn't have a little, little show for it, but you know the guy can do things like that. They brought Drew McGowan in, and I know I have talked so much about Drew McGowan. I am a Drew McGowan fan. I don't know that I have a ton of evidence to base it on, but I just like what he seems to do in right field when he gets the chances out there. He's got good speed. He runs the bases. So what do you think about maybe you know coming with him in that nine hole and hopefully setting the stage for the number one guy or even leading off if he proves that he can handle the pressure? Well, that's a lot to ask, and that's why Jake Gotro is paid to be the hitting coach that he is. I like some of the things we saw this weekend, and in, in, in a way it made some easier choices for Lamonis and Gotro and the rest of the staff on what they want to do. Now, he was asked outright today, about lineup. And he just said, look, I'd like to have the same lineup. Chris Lamonis doesn't care for experimenting any more than necessary. He'll do it. And that's what some of these games are for, but he wants to find a lineup. Now you hear, like I said, you hear that clock ticking or the calendar turning tomorrow. So you, you, he wants to get some guys out there, get them comfortable in what they're doing. You know, have a Clark find his swing back if possible. Figure out exactly how to mix and match Leggett and Foresight, what to do with them against certain teams. You know, maybe not left and right per se, but also, you know, type of balls they hit because it's so much deeply involved in that. I like the two, three, fours I mentioned. Five has plenty of options, especially if Cumbust could keep slugging the ball like this. You put him up in the five hole and tell those pitchers, yeah, we dare you to try to pitch around Luke Hancock and Logan Tanner because there's a big old mule out there who's going to make you pay for it. As far as other lineup decisions, they kept the infield fairly stable in those regards, but uh, I expect a few more shifts as it comes on because they've got to try some things. The Grambling game this Tuesday night would be an obviously good opportunity to work some people in. And here's another thing, too. Never forget this. Every inning a guy has to play or at-bats he gets in February, late February, especially in the cold weather that State had this weekend, sometimes it can start taking a toll towards the end of the season. You have to balance that against, I want them out there, I want to see what they really do against real pitches, against a real team. Sure, Northern Kentucky, but that's a real team. So you just look at what the two, three, four guys do, say give them some port. Get people on base in the first inning from the leadoff guy. As the order rolls around, have that nine guy scratch his way on. Maybe have the leadoff guy bunt him along, and then it's RBI opportunity for any of those three guys. I like the flashes I've seen from the offense, but it's still a far, far situation from we're comfortable with the offense. And then again, how comfortable were we at the end of February 2021? Think about that a little bit, huh, after a couple of uh, rather awkward losses on duty noble field. As far as the starting pitching, it seems strong enough so far, although it's been a little jinxed, especially Landon Sims. He's had... 
He's eaten two Friday night losses despite a great strike pitch count. He struck out 17, just four walks, and his 239 batting average against is a little inflated because Friday night, Northern Kentucky got some cheapies to just slip through to fall basically bunt hits in all but name. So maybe they were you know, trying to give the state's middle defense a test on a really cold night. I would have, but then again, I think, do I really want a bunt with a metal stick in my hand on a night when it's 35 degrees? No, thank you, sir. The week's rotation debate probably does not involve sim status. They kept his pitch count down, and they know that he's he wants to do this, he's got the capability, and he's your best chance right now, apparently, to start a series off strong, even with the two losses. That's baseball. It, it never makes sense quite the way you think it will. By the same token, after that great relief stint last week, and then a really good start on Saturday. Preston Johnson is making his case. Now, I, I was actually surprised when he did not get the number two job on opening weekend. I know Casey Hunt threw the ball well by all reports, but I really thought Johnson would be your guy to run out there on Saturdays. Well, now he is. Now, whether they stay with that or not, it depends on Cade Smith, who both times, he's walked up there with an interesting type of pressure. And this is what I like about a guy like Smith. The first weekend, he was trying to salvage the series. This weekend, he was trying to win the series in a rubber game. So he did his job. I like that mental stability. I like the poise he showed on the hill today. Here's a stat I came up with, and Lord knows baseball sometimes goes so long we dig into endless numbers and drive you all crazy, but I think this is worth noting. State's had four starters so far on weekends, and they've thrown 69% strikes. In fact, even the guys who threw in the Grambling game came close to that figure. The Bulldog pitching is putting the ball across the plate. Teams are not just crushing them, but they're making contact out there. So maybe there's some things to think about, you know, pitch location, try to keep the cheap stuff away before you start overthrowing and compensating. And, and Lamonis did mention that as well. Now, here's a question I have, because and I am no closer to the answer. I'm sure Foxhall knows who he would do if he had to on Tuesday night, much less Friday, Saturday, Sunday down in New Orleans. Who's the closer? State has not been in a closed situation, a save situation all season. The closest they came to it was coming back from 7-2, 7-3 down to make it a 7-6 game, but that was in the last at-bat, so nobody had to come back out and pitch. So who would you put out there? And based on what we've seen so far of guys in middle relief, I'm not sure there's one person I can say that's who I want out there. Now, maybe it's Casey Hunt. I don't think so. I think they'll keep him in the starting role. Uh, Andrew Walling is a guy that you can certainly start on Tuesday nights, and you've got to have that fourth guy as well, uh, although I think you'd like to get Hunt some innings on Tuesday to get him back into a groove too. That's the advantage to playing SWAC teams. Okay, watch it come back to bite because it has before. I apologize to the baseball gods for saying that but you certainly hope that they're able to run several guys out there, get them 20, 15, 25 pitches, judge the quality of their work, get back in the dugout, and it should be warmer. It was bitterly cold this weekend, and Chris Lamonis came out bluntly today and said that after his years in Indiana, he moved down south to get out of cold weather. Well, it followed him. But the dogs warmed up at the bat. The pitching is still right there. You see what the starting certainly can be. You know you've got the arms and the personnel to match up in situations, but you haven't figured them out yet. At least we haven't. Again, Scott Foxhall knows what he would do right now, but is that what he would do two weeks from now? Is that what he would do in April? So much can change when you have so many arms to get out there. And by the way, um, by this morning, I'm sure they will have announced the starter. I'm not getting up early enough to find out about it. I'm filing this, but uh, 
it was a TBA, and Lamona said he had an idea. Well, we all have ideas, and I think I can come up with a couple of good ones, but then so can everybody else. All of you know this staff about as well as I do. He's just said he's not positive yet, just have a big week ahead of them, and they have to have all the arms available they can. And that's where, by the way, Saturday and Sunday really helped. Sims ate up enough innings on Friday that State didn't deep, didn't have to dip too deeply. Uh, and, of course, State romps on Saturday and Sunday and is able to pick and choose how many innings, how many pitches they give those guys. So they should be rested and fresh for the Tulane series this weekend. So what's going to happen with them? Well, I haven't looked at the weather report yet. Um, I actually thought that it might get interrupted this weekend at Duty Little Field. It didn't. But there's still some things to keep an eye on against Grambling State. I want to see if they make any changes just to get guys swing. Or do they go more with the lineup that Lamonis really believes is going to be his key to the long-haul season? That's the reason to tune in to Tuesday's game, a game that State obviously should win. But that's not what we're watching for. We're watching for who plays when, what the batting order looks like, right-left matchups, how soon, if they can, obviously, to build up a big, big enough lead, start putting guys in there for batting matchups against certain type pitchers. Those are the things that you play these games for. Tulane, uh, by the way, they have a former diving dog down there, Dylan Carmouche. I think he's been in the rotation lately. So uh, that may be a matchup that we get to see down in the uh, River City this weekend. So... You know, it's, it's a little frustrating for State fans, obviously, because they thought, I, I know that you all at least had some hesitation about the state of the offense. You just didn't think that they would struggle in certain games as they have so far. So they have, and that's why they're 4-3 and three instead of at least 6-1, and one, which honestly I think they quite should be at this point. But that's baseball. And again, State started off slowly previous seasons and made quite a deep run all the way to Omaha. In fact, I don't like to do it that way. You'd rather come out and dominate. Let me ask you this. Would you rather do what Tennessee's doing? I just heard a bunch of you shout, yes, we'd rather score 29 and 27 runs in a game and have a lot of fun and put it right about out there. Yeah, I, the Vols, they're a, that's a, I am not belittling their hitting at all. They can hit the ball. They proved that last year. They could hit the ball until they got to Omaha. And I was there for those two games, and I strongly suspect that they really would have loved to have banked some of those base hits for June instead of, you know, showing off on the stat sheet. And by the way, the SEC statistics sheet is going to be distorted for quite a while after these blowouts. You know, Lamonis, talking again about the lineup, he said he'd love to have the same lineup. It's been a struggle, but it's a new year, new team, and we're trying to figure out different guys in different spots right now. Emphasis, right now. Oh, by the way, uh, one more stat I dug up with that 69% uh, strikes. Landon Sims and Cade Smith. Sims has thrown 108 pitches so far. I'm sorry, 150 pitches so far, 108 strikes. Cade Smith, 153 pitches, three more, five less strikes, 103. This is a good strike-throwing staff, and if you decide you want to go with a different approach and run Preston Johnson out there to seal a series on either Saturday or Sunday, I wouldn't be opposed to that. But let's see how this week develops here. Quickly, Bulldog basketball. Uh, they're hosting Auburn this weekend, and while the Tigers have not been playing great down the stretch, they simply are a bad matchup with the Bulldogs. And let's, if I say that often enough, maybe good luck will strike for Ben Howland's team, and they'll pull off easily the win of their season. I'm not overly optimistic at this point, but they can't get to 20 wins otherwise uh, without winning a game in the SEC tournament. That's going to depend on their seeding in the SEC tournament. They can finish 10-8 and 8 SEC, which will be a positive, but more likely you think they're aiming for 9-9. Nine and nine. You want to beat Texas A&M, which has just been so up and down all season. 
we've talked about the effort and the continued attempts the dogs have made to make plays and come up short in certain situations. Not necessarily the end of the game, but during the course of the game, you'll see something happen that lets things get just enough out of control that they can't quite come back from it. They're a good enough team for them to still have a tournament. Right now, they're not going to make it. So we don't have an official hot board going yet on jeanspage.com, but uh, Steve Robertson and Mike Nemeth are definitely working on it. So we will start following up on that probably as soon as uh, Wednesday night's game is over. And you know, I'm going to have to see him. And uh, it just, this is just me speaking. This is just David Murray, longtime SEC sports fan. I'm just a little distasteful about seeing a guy like Bruce Pearl still coaching in this dadgum conference. So I'd just prefer not to see that on Humphrey Coliseum Court. That's just me. That's not the Gene Spade's position. That's not the position of any of our staff. That's just me. But that's kind of what I think about the sad state of college basketball in so many ways that they get away with this. By the same token, it also means there's probably not a heck of a lot of rules or things off limits should Mississippi State go searching for a new coach. Some of the things that might have ruled a guy out in previously years, probably not anymore. Well, that's something to follow as we get on into the week. Hopefully the Diamond Dogs start taking care in sweeping series instead of splitting them up, and we can get more positive about the lineup, the rotation, the order, all the good things that we watch Bulldog baseball for, and the things we love to talk about here in the doghouse. Your meeting place for Mississippi Stort, State Sports. Sorry about that. Uh, I've had a rotten cold all day, again, relapsing, but it's okay. You're not contagious. Should be okay. A little bit of Sprite here, and I'll be all right. So watch the dogs this weekend if you can in person. If not, follow them online. Radio. Ron Polk is Radio Gold quite often, though Jay Powell did the broadcast on Sunday. Uh, it's just it, it is worth the price of whatever it takes to listen to Ron Polk play off Jim Ellis in those games. I once assembled a list last year of some of his best comments. I never used them because I'm not sure I have the right to because I never got permission from Learfield Sports. But uh, trust me, it would have you howling in laughter because Ron is worth it. Anyway, that's our doghouse Monday morning overreaction here on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, David Murray. Let's go into the new week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.